all places together. Here we believe that our lives are connected to one another and rooted in God's inclusive and expansive love for diverse creation. I'm Colleen Montgomery, pastor of All Places Together and your podcast host. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. I've got a question for you. What's the greatest commandment? Over the past several months on the podcast, we have explored all types of questions. Questions about who God is and how God shows up in the world. Questions from people in certain life stages, situations, or careers. Questions that people in the Bible ask. Questions about how people live out faith in the world when everything seems so complicated and so stinking divided. Today is our last episode in that series and will be explicitly grounded in a biblical question. Starting next week, All Places Together is launching a new series, and I'll tell you more about that in our closing time together. So the question for today from the Bible is one that Jesus is asked, and believe it or not, it's one that he answers directly with a few sentences of clear teaching. There is no long or confusing or murky parable. There are no questions back. Jesus simply answers. This kind of feels like a miracle to me. I'm not going to lie. But moreover, his answer is foundational to living in relationship with God at any time, in any place, whoever and however you are. There are versions of this question in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and Mark. And this time we're going to read from Mark because we actually did the Matthew version of this question during the Holy Week part of this series earlier this year. So we're going to be in Mark, and at this point in the story, Jesus has entered into Jerusalem for the last time. It's Holy Week. Jesus has set up in the temple, and he is teaching. His disciples are there, his religious challengers are there, and some portion of the crowds and general population are there too. So this is a very public encounter. Directly before this question, Jesus had a different conversation about a different set of questions with a group of Sadducees. The Sadducees were one group of Jewish leaders who were opposed to Jesus' leadership and message. They had just had a conversation about the resurrection. Following that, a scribe comes forward to ask Jesus a question. Mark doesn't specify if the scribe has a particular affiliation with the Sadducees or any of the other Jewish groups or political groups. We just know that he's a scribe in the temple. All right, let's read together. This is Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. One of the scribes came near and heard Jesus and the Jewish leaders disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked them, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to Jesus, You are right, teacher. You have truly said he is one, and beside him there is no other. 
and to love God with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all of the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that the scribe answered wisely, Jesus said to the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask Jesus any question. Did you know that there are over 600 commandments in the Hebrew scriptures? So like recognizing this number, it's completely understandable that the scribe has this question on a very practical level. How is a person supposed to prioritize 600 commandments? Are those commandments that were written hundreds of years old still supposed to shape daily living in Jerusalem early in the common era? Let alone for us in the 21st century in North America. Are we supposed to follow all of those still? Now, of course, there's a political side to this question as well. It's not just a practical one. Though the scribes' particular religious or political affiliations are not made clear in the text, there were religious and political leaders present when he asked the question. In addition to the Sadducees, some of the Pharisees would have been present as well. The Pharisees were a group of Jewish leaders who prioritized following Jewish law above all else. To them, Keeping the commandments was how they remained in right relationship with God and also in a good relationship with one another. Jesus' answer to this question would have a direct impact on how the Pharisees responded to him. Granted, they weren't already big fans. So it would have taken a very particular answer in order to win them over. Something to the effect of, all of the laws matter, you have to keep them all. Something like that may have improved Jesus' relationship with the Pharisees, but that answer would have gone against everything that Jesus has already taught. So, like, that's not what he's going to say. So what Jesus does do is identify the two most important commandments. He even can't narrow it down just to one. The first is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes so far as to say that none of the other commandments are as important as these two. And the scribe agrees with Jesus's answer. Jesus's answer here is foundational for us, how we can make sense of those 600 other commandments and also provide teachings for how we can live out our faith in our daily lives. So to help make sense of these 600 commandments, I want you to think about a two-pronged hook in your mind. It may help you to draw it out if you are in a place that is safe for you to draw. So like probably not if you're driving a car, but you know, if you're at your house or somewhere where you have paper, let's draw. Imagine a hook with two prongs. This two-pronged hook may be something like you hang over a door to hang up towels on or one of those hooks from inside a locker. So we're thinking about this hook, and we're going to label one of the hooks loving God. And the second hook gets labeled loving neighbors. Then we could go through all of those other 600 plus commandments and see if they are about loving God, loving neighbors, or neither. If they are about loving God, then we would put it on that hook 
like in an imaginary sort of way, if you want to think about like a tag that has a piece of string tied it, if it's about loving God, you could hang it on the loving God hook. And if it's about loving neighbors, you could hang it on the loving neighbors hook. And we would try to live those commandments out in our lives in some form or fashion. But if that commandment doesn't fit on either of the hooks, then we can simply remember it as part of our faith history and tradition, but not as something that's pivotal or really directional for our daily life in the here and now. Two quick examples. Exodus 20.13, one is part of the Ten Commandments where God says, don't murder people. That is like clearly about loving neighbors. So we try not to murder people in our daily lives. We keep that one. Then in Leviticus 19.19, the text says, don't wear mixed fibers clothing. To me, that's not really about showing love to God, and it's not really about showing love to neighbor either. So I happily wear my mixed fiber leggings to the gym. So of course, Not everything is clear-cut as those two, and you could have a much longer conversation and a more thorough conversation here about how to process through these things. But this is just a simple way that this teaching of Jesus can help us make sense of some of the other teachings that we get from the Hebrew Scriptures. However, we're going to shift the conversation from that into exploring the particular teachings of loving God and loving others, this lesson that Jesus is providing from answering this question. The first foundational teaching is that Jesus reminds us that loving God with all that we are is at the top of the list or at the core of what it means to follow Jesus. The second foundational teaching is that Jesus reminds us that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus has already done a whole other parable answering the question of who is my neighbor? And the short answer is everyone is. So this teaching is about striving to love everyone as ourselves. Before I dig into more of what I think this means, I want to share some answers about what you all think it means. I asked on Instagram last week how you show love to God and love to your neighbors, and here are some of the responses that I got from All Places Together listeners like you. Micah shared that she shows love to God through music. Allie also shared that she shows love to God through song as well. And this points to one of the big ways that Christians love God. Music and all types of art are ways that we both reflect God's beauty in the world and also show beauty and love back to God. Many folks shared that they love God by sharing love to their neighbors. I agree with this as well. Honestly, separating out our love of God and love of neighbor is tricky because in practice, they are so connected and flow right from one into the other. Though some folks did share particular examples about how they love their neighbors. Steve wrote that he tries to help his neighbors however he can, whether that's a helping hand, a listening ear, or watching out for them. Rebecca watched out for her neighbors in a literal way just the other week. She helped a kid in her neighborhood when they fell off their bike in front of her house. She went outside with a first aid kit and towels to help them get clean up. She went outside with a first aid kit and towels to help them get cleaned up. God's love shone through band-aids and neosporin. This is an example of all of the sorts of ways that we show love by providing for people's bodily needs. Getting food, water, clothes, medical supplies and treatments, 
School supplies, menstrual products, and clean needles to the people who need them are all ways of showing love to our neighbors. We do this both by sharing the literal items and also through financial gifts to organizations that provide them. Joanne shared that caring for her 94-year-old mother is a way that she shows love as well. We all show love through the relationships that we have in our daily lives. This may include, but is not limited to, immediate, extended, and chosen family members, roommates, colleagues and clients, fellow students, and people who we receive treatment, services, or goods from. Joanne also shared that knowing that all people are made in the image of God is another way that she loves her neighbor. Steve shared about this too. Growing our understanding of, compassion for, and relationship with people is huge. And though understanding compassion and relationship are abstract concepts, they are what lead to concrete and practical acts of love. Working through all of the isms that we carry is a way of showing love to our neighbors. Ali also shares that she loves her neighbors by living out her vocation. The work that we do in our daily life, whether it's paid or unpaid, out of the home or in the home, remote or on site, for our household, employer, church, or group we volunteer for, can show love, seek justice, and build up the well-being of others. Finally, Meg brought up that showing love to creation is a way that she cares for her animal and plant neighbors. When I teach about this biblical teaching to confirmation students, I always add in creation as well. I like to say that we are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors and creation as ourselves. Thank you to everyone who shared responses to these questions. Together, y'all provided a great overview of the many and varied ways we live out these two commandments from Jesus. One of the categories of how we love God that didn't get mentioned explicitly, though, was worship. While music is certainly an integral part of worship, there is more to worship than music alone. Taking time to gather with others, whether online or on-site, to pray, to read the Bible, to share music, and maybe even share in communion or a baptism is central to loving God. Worship can look like so many things. Yes, it can be what we think of when we think of a traditional church service on a Sunday morning, regardless of what type of music or style of worship that is. Worship can also happen at someone's home, though, or in a care facility like a nursing home. Worship can happen outside at camps or a retreat center, in the neighborhood park, or even a backyard. You can worship online through Zoom or a social media platform. I know for many listeners, this podcast is a time of worship for them. I hope that in the coming months, all places together will be able to gather more regularly on Zoom for communion so that we can experience God's love and show God love in that way as well. Worship is so important because it's a time when we both listen to God and talk to God together. We listen to God through the stories of scripture and the words of each other shared in preaching and reflection. We talk to God through prayer, song, and shared questions. We may also feel God speaking to us individually through whispers in our minds or urgings felt in our hearts. Worship is a vital way that we show God our love. 
Now let's dig into loving our neighbors as ourselves a little bit deeper. Because if we really unpack this teaching, there are actually two parts to it. Loving yourself and then loving others as yourself. As I mentioned earlier, working through our isms is one way that we love others. And this is also actually a way that we can learn to love ourselves more deeply as well. Through my reading of Ibram X. Kendi and also my own therapy work, I've come to see more clearly the internalized homophobia and misogyny that my own mind uses against me. Kendi, a Black scholar and author, writes about overcoming his own internalized racism and writes extensively about how others can process through their internalized isms as well including, and perhaps very importantly, the ones that we use against ourselves, depending on who we are and the identities we claim, including the ones that we use against ourselves, depending on who we are and our various identities. His book, How to Raise an Anti-Racist, is one of the most important books and influential books that I've read this year. And it's really impacted how I want to show up for the kids in my life and it also healed parts of me as well. Before coming out and beginning to work through all of this, one of the ways that my internalized homophobia showed up was by being really anxious about wanting to understand everyone instantly and wanting to be perfect in how I related to people and showed up as an ally. However, if I couldn't do it perfectly, I let my fear of messing up and hurting someone get in the way of me doing anything. My perfectionism was a shield that separated me from the world, from me getting to know myself, and from me being the type of ally that I had wanted to be. Since coming to know myself more deeply, coming out and growing in faith and relationship with other queer folks, I now love myself for who I am instead of basing my love for myself on being perfect. Granted, I still struggle with perfectionism, but I'm able to carry a lot of things more loosely. This has made a huge impact on me and a difference in the compassion that I have for others as well as the empathy I experience as well. Another side to showing love as we work through our isms is how we show love and interact with those who continue to hold those isms, whether that is unintentionally or intentionally. Now, depending on the relationship and context of what has happened, it may not be safe or healthy for individuals to remain in relationship or in contact. So as I explore this, if you know that you cannot safely have contact with someone, please know that I'm not suggesting that you do. I want to honor and support your boundaries. This is more about the big picture and how we're all in this together. Relationships are the primary way that people's hearts are changed and isms are broken down. Though learning can do some of this work, often much of what individuals choose to read, listen to, and watch reflects and confirms their existing biases. In order for someone to really be open, to grow their understanding, to grow their compassion, that spark comes from a relationship. It comes from someone that they know and trust. 
sometimes it can take months or years of a relationship in order to build enough trust to have vulnerable conversations where people feel safe enough to begin to unpack their stories, their experiences, and what they have learned. Investing the time, love, compassion, patience, and forgiveness in people who disagree with you can be life-changing for you and for them. Again, this work isn't always safe and healthy for everyone, yet it is holy work and gospel work. For example, I need both members of the LGBTQIA plus communities who feel called to these relationships and allies to be building these sorts of relationships for those who continue to have homophobic and transphobic beliefs. I need this not only because I want them to process through and be done with homophobia and transphobia and also racism, misogyny, and ableism, depending on the person, but I also need this to happen because they are beloved of God and I have things to learn from them and they have gifts to share with the world that I am missing out on. They matter to God and they are a part of the body of Christ. So like, let's just play with this metaphor of the body of Christ for a minute. There will be some ableism in this, so please forgive this. But I think it's one of the best biblical metaphors that we have for this situation. So right, we are all in the body of Christ together. So let's just say in this example that like, I'm the elbow. I help move the arm to grab things. I help support the body when we're leaning on tables. And sometimes I'm overly sensitive when I'm bumped the wrong way. And like maybe someone who is homophobic and harmful to me, like maybe they're the stomach. They process food that gives the whole body energy to move. Like they have an important role in the body of Christ. However, the elbow and the stomach, they never really touch directly in normal circumstances. Like ideally, right, our elbows and our stomachs never touch. And a body needs both joints and a stomach. And so it's these other people, these other parts of the body that connect us and help us to work together. The blood, the muscles, and the skin that keeps us all in. So it's okay if you're not able to directly be with or interact with someone, but as the body of Christ, as all of us Jesus followers together, we are called to grow in our love and compassion and understanding of each other and for the world, right? Because we are not in this alone. God puts us into community And because we all have different gifts, there are so many different ways that we show love to the world. There are folks who open up their homes to queer teens when their parents kick them out. There are folks who are going to school board meetings to make sure that Black history is still taught. There are folks who are lobbying for age-appropriate gender-affirming care for anyone who needs it. There are folks who write prayers and songs that celebrate God's images in all types of bodies, hearts, and minds. There are folks who build habitat houses and serve meals at soup kitchens and share food from their own gardens with those who are hungry. And people who redesign sidewalks and doorways so they are accessible and invent treatments to fight cancer and lessen pain. 
There are people who research how to clean our oceans and those who tend to sick wildlife. And there is a cis, white, straight male nephew who is sitting on his uncle's front porch saying, Now I have a trans friend, and this is what their experience is. We are all created in love to love in all sorts of different ways. The ways that we love God, love our neighbors, love creation, and love ourselves are countless. So though this is perhaps the clearest and most direct answer that Jesus gives to a question when he is asked, we will spend our whole lives living out that answer. Because each day and each encounter is a new chance to love and be loved wherever, whoever, and however we are. A prayer for growing love. Compassionate God, you created the world with love and through love. In all times and places, you have loved each person and invited us into your grace and care for the world. I know that you see me and love me as I am, where I am, who I am, how I am. And at the same time, Sharing that love with the world is really hard. It is hard to love when I am hurting and my heart is flooded with pain. It is hard to love when I am afraid and my heart is frozen. It is hard to love when I am angry and my heart is raging. Tend to me and my heart so that your love can grow, so that I can be more compassionate understanding, and supportive for the people in my places. I want to love like you. Can you help me? Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. We hope you experience God's love for you and the world in today's episode. I'm excited to share with you about our next podcast series that is called Together. People aren't meant to be alone. We are created for relationships and for community. We are supposed to be together. So in this series, I hope that you'll join me in exploring the big questions of living out faith together. Why? With who? And how? This series will go live next week and will carry us through the rest of this summer. This coming weekend, I'll be at a special event for Virginia Lutherans called Power in the Spirit. It's a time for worship, learning, making new friends, and reconnecting with old ones. And of course, sharing amazing meals from the Roanoke College Cafeteria. This year's theme is Seeking and Finding. So if you're a listener and you'll be there, seek me out and find me. Say hello. I've also got a special prop that we'll be doing some social media stuff with. 
So come get your picture taken. It's going to be a blast. I also want to give a special shout out to Trinity Lutheran Church in Newport News for their recent invitation for me to be a guest preacher as part of their exploration of becoming a reconciling in Christ community. It was so special and meaningful to be able to share parts of my stories with y'all. Thank you for inviting me and for your intentional work of exploring how big God's love really is. As always, thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I'm so glad we get to be church together. Thank you to each and every one of you who gives financially to empower the ongoing ministry of All Places Together. If you would like to contribute in a financial way, you can go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together. Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. You can make one-time gifts or set up a recurring donation of any amount through that page. Until next time, remember that God is with you and loves you, wherever, whoever, and however you are.